Hi, I'm Paula McGurdy, and this is um, my conversation, chat, podcast. I'm talking to different um, female Irish creatives. Um, and today I am talking to the lovely Cora Murphy, who is an abstract landscape artist. Um, and her work is deep and rich and very beautifully evocative um, and her work looks almost textural I guess um, and I'm curious I guess to know speaking to Cora if she paints in thick layers or multiples and I'm curious to know a bit more about her process and how she got into art and how it all began so let's go and talk to Cora. Hello. Hello. Hi Cora. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's lovely to meet you in real life. In real life, yes, yeah. In real life over a screen, yes. Mm. <laughs> Bizarre, isn't it? But you look really great. But isn't technology just amazing like that? Like that we can do these kinds of things, you know, it's fantastic. Oh, it's been amazing, particularly during the whole lockdown. You know, that I know nobody, well, look, people without internet probably did feel alone, but you, you know, you could always connect with somebody. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing. And I guess that's also like uh, Instagram, it's fantastic for things like that, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, so Cora, tell us a bit about your story. How did you, where, how did you get into art? Were you brought up in a creative family? Did you study art? Was it something that you came to more recently or later on? Like, how did your story begin in terms of a, the creative side of things? Okay, so I, I guess I was relatively quite late or very late, some people mm. might say, um, coming to art in that I, did, I didn't really start painting until I was 30. Uh, mm. And full disclosure that was 16 years ago I'm always laughing when people don't like to say how old they are it's like well that's, that's very similar to me as well Cora so I was like 28 when I went to art college yeah yeah I know you wouldn't know like I mean I'm 32 Not, but anyway <laughs> but like I think it just gets better as you get richer um yeah. you know life experience but yeah. yeah I had I was living in New Zealand at the time and I had previously been living in London and I had I'd gone to university in London and I'd studied new technology, um, which is hilarious because I couldn't wire a plug. Um, <laughs> but I, during that process, I ended up becoming involved in Students' Union and got into magazines and then went into communications and ended up ultimately running my own uh, marketing communications consultancy, which wow. was always fab. I loved it. It was great work. Um, did a lot of like work kind of translating government guff into you know layman's terms but it was fab and I loved it and but I was coming up to 30 and I was thinking what would I do if I had a year to live I kind of thought I wouldn't be doing this because I know how to do this and I yeah. went to, England to write a book um really? yeah but I mean it was a disaster I had like um it's just really funny like this idyllic setting a house with a beach on either end of the street oh, right but during the <laughs> I, um, I, a friend of mine suggested that I do the artist's way um, to help with the writing. And it was also because I was living on an island, it was a great way to have a connection with people every week. And mm. that was one of the exercises was to do something you hadn't done um, in years creatively. So I painted, but immediately it felt like, oh, my God, this is my language. Um oh. To keep it quite short, after that, I moved back to London and I took a studio there and I was just, it was like being perpetually thirsty. I mm. couldn't get enough of art and I was seeing so much work. Um, but I felt that everything I was doing was derivative of, you know, what I was seeing. So I ended up making a decision to come back to Ireland and I thought, you know what, I'll give it a year there because there's no hiding, you know, when mm. you're back in your home place um, and bizarrely I started driving at the same time and I think for the first time in my life I was actually looking where I was going and so these landscapes started appearing in the work and I really did I was very kind of like oh my god that's so obvious blue and green mm. and I hated them to be honest but I ended up going to 
the Baja Desert and making a body of work with just the uh, mm. primary colours and ground objects. And it was like, oh, my God, this is landscape. You know, I just needed to think bigger about the genre. So, but my background, my parents, it's funny because, you know, you think uh, for a long time, I felt you needed permission or some genetic code to have a creative career. That, you that's know, so interesting. Like, yes, I think so many people think that way. Yeah. And I don't know if that's an Irish thing. Like I said it to um, a friend of mine, the artist Rebecca Crowe, she's American. And I was going, you know, I felt so odd because nobody in my family painted. And she was going, well, how would that? affected and I was kind of going mm. you know like we always say oh they got it from the rant or whatever now yes. I have you who loves to paint and people say oh he gets it from that you know that it's, it's just fun. it's you know you the more you do something uh, and yeah. the more you do something and but I think yeah I was kind of looking for permission for a long time anyway but having said that my family were all in business so you kind of can't be in business and not be creative you know, that's true. Channel, anyway. Basically, I moved to Cork, kept painting, and here I am. Wow, what a journey! Then, like, in order to kind of get to that sort of stage as well, you know. Um, I'm curious, where did you have a? So, obviously, we we've chatted a bit about this. Where did you have your studio in London then? I had a great studio. When I think about it, it's so funny. I had a great studio in Dalston. Oh um, wow! Have like you been when to Dawson recently, it's like I know it's like when Dawson was yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. like literally when Dawson was dangerous, and it was like you know I lived in Newington Green, so I could come across, and um, it was perfect. But like I never had any hassle, but it really wasn't the kind of place you should be walking around late at night. But it was literally just off Arcola Street. Um, yeah. And it was fab because like Gilbert and George used to go to the kebab shop around the corner oh, every night. Yeah, yeah. And it like it was populated by artists, but it just didn't have that edge. But I was great, very, very lucky to get into what has become the Lighthouse Studios. And okay. it really, well, maybe last year I went back to just see uh, Rob, my old um, landlord. And there was security, like there was a security ah. entry system and a doorman. And I was like, what the hell? But it was a fab place and I was very fortunate to, I had my own studio at first, but then I realized I couldn't afford that. So I moved in with a bunch of other artists into a shared space and they were so kind and nurturing. And Brilliant. really, um, they were they were so good. But where were you, Paula? You were, in, were you in Dulwich? We, no, we were in Peckham slash Nunhead. Mm. I say to Nunhead, but it means kind of like what? So Peckham, but... um. Very, I guess, like Dalston, it was. It's very edgy, um, and lots of artist studios. But that now that's changed completely. When we moved now five years ago, uh, things had already begun to really change. Um, and I at one stage had a studio in Deptford, again oh, yeah. somewhere that you wouldn't want to be walking around late at night. But even around that area now, it's it's changed quite significantly. You know. Um, and yeah, had a studio in a big studio, old block, like an old warehouse, I guess it was, you know, at one stage. Oh, so yeah. yeah, yeah, which was amazing to just have a huge space and to be able to do, you know, whatever. And uh, so yeah, it was, it, it's Peckham really, I guess, that we were, that we were based in. And going back there now, it's like, whoa, it's, you know, cafes and artists and gentrification I guess isn't it you know but anyway it, yeah it's really because we actually went after we went to see the studio went in to have a drink someplace yeah Al um, was with me and they were like no no trainers like what you know really? oh yeah, my goodness we refused entry to places and it was like what the heck? how did this happen so quickly That's um funny. yeah but, uh, but you know time well spent but it's lovely I have to say I came back to Ireland thinking it'll be a year and to kind of rule it out because I'd been away for 15 years. Yeah. And it just felt like being at home at home. But a lot yeah, of that yeah. had to do with that. I mean, I left Ireland when I was 19. I couldn't get far enough away. You know, yeah. that it was funny how it worked out, but it's so nice to have that sense of home. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Coming so back. It's been good. 
Mm. Has it been good for you to move back? We, um, I want to say yes, Cora. <laughs> um, to be really honest, I had a really tough time coming back. And uh, I think part of me was ready to move and then a huge part of me felt like we made the decision to move back and then I realized actually I wouldn't mind another few years really in London and I hadn't really thought about the long term and I think we just moved back without really uh, looking into other choices I guess you know um so I guess that's the really honest truth um so it's taken me a few years to get to this stage now where I'm feeling happy and then we had a real uh, bad experience with our house buying a house and the build and everything and that really took its toll I feel like on both my creativity which I continued doing but it was just a very intense time for us I feel um, and it's interesting you were talking about uh, going to New Zealand and going to write the book, which I think is so fascinating, so brave. But you were like, you said something about, oh, no, it was terrible. It was like the worst thing in the world. And I was reminded of a lady called Elizabeth Day. Do you know she has a podcast called How to Fail? Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Actually, I love I it. Her in a while. Yeah, I just think she has fascinating people on and that whole idea of, well, yes, we do fail, but it's kind of, it's more like, what do our failures teach us and what do they bring us to and how do we move on and how do we change? And so I love that you did something and you took, you you decided to go and do something like write a book and you took the steps to get there, but you realized it wasn't actually working. And then you, that's how you dove into art. And isn't it amazing how you then kind of got there, yeah. you know? So. And I think it's that thing, like ideas don't come fully formed. Now, you know, I can yeah. say that now at the time, yeah. it was devastating because, you know, I was this, like it felt like a spoiled princess because, mm. you know, I had enough money. I had a beautiful place to live. I had all the resources, but it still was crap. And mm. I, uh, you know, that it, it was just very funny. But I mean, look, I think whether we like it or not, that, we are all guided in a way and I think mm. it's easier sometimes to believe that than dismiss it um mm. but yeah it all worked out in the end thank god yeah. but I mean Brilliant. I had told everyone I was going to write a book everyone like, like totally you know throw yourself into the fire and because I was a copywriter I mean I was writing oh. thousands of words every day that it was like how did it's gonna be to write a book but well, maybe the book is still there, Cora. That's the thing. Maybe the book is still there at some stage, you know. But you know, so. it's a different book. I mean, I did put a book together about my own work a few years later. We'll come on to that. But it, yeah, it's a different book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you were trying to be accountable or something by putting yourself out there. I did that many years ago. I tell people I was going to run a marathon. I've always wanted to run a marathon. And I, many years, it was announced that the, mar the double marathon's coming up or wherever the marathon was, yeah. London Marathon, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I swear, I did it two years ago. And the first time I uttered that was probably when I was about 18 or 19. And I told everybody. And every year for about 18 years, I told everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I know. It's almost like if I say it, I have to do it. Yes, exactly. And then you don't do it. And then it's like, oh shit you know but anyway you get there eventually so you know maybe that book is still there and as you said it's just in some other shape or form you know so yeah and I mean as I've got older I ask myself about the things I think I want to do why do yeah do I you know probably you feel you should but yeah no. and then your priorities change and you change and what's important to you change like everything yeah yeah you know. So you're in your studio now at the moment, and I can see oh, yeah. one of your beautiful paintings behind you. Can you tell us a bit about your work? How would you describe it? What medium do you use? Um, yeah, a little well, bit better. Uh, so I would say I am a contemporary landscape painter. That's, okay. uh, you know, it's the kind of genre, for a long time I wanted to run a million miles from landscape, but actually it's something I'm completely comfortable in now because mm. I realise I can spread out 
infusion. Yeah. So I work in oils and I use cold wax as well. And okay. oh, it's lovely. Like I, you know, I really enjoy. I, my work has changed. It's kind of constantly changing, which is mm. where I want to be. Um, but so I use oil and cold wax. And lately, I tend to paint in loose layers. Um, I used to be quite impasto heavy, and then. It's funny, actually. A friend of mine, I, what I do is I tend to go on residencies. Um, in So when I came back to Ireland, one of the first residencies I did was in Kilrelic and Kerry, which is great, St. Balance Gaelics. And I was thinking, I'm going to go there and make big paintings of the sea. And on the way, I passed by a, a bog. And I went, oh, my God, that's fascinating. So I ended up like, literally making spending three weeks in the bog making paintings about the bog which was something i didn't even know i was interested in but i'm, I'm a great believer in following your curiosity and your intuition if your pulse goes up a little bit so mm. i tend to go on residencies a lot so i have been to carry a lot i did a series over on the mayo lakes and last year when was that last year i'm confused about my years now. i spent a good bit of time two months over in ballon glen in the mm. it's Valley Castle in North Mayo, in the Ballon Glen Artist Foundation, and that's fab because you know it's just I'm not I, I like to do walking drawing, but it's more about responding to a place. Um, so you know I spend a bit of time, and I always think I know what I'm going to do when I go there, mm. but I end up doing something completely different. Um, yeah. So, that's been great. But as the work has got a bit bigger, this work I'm working on at the moment is about, uh, it's for a show out on Spike Island, you know, the ex-penal colony. It's in mm. um, Cork Harbour. And it's yeah. a amazing place. There's a lot of energy there. But I was kind of trying to get into the idea of, I was looking at murmurations, you know, of birds. Mm, yeah, was, yeah. If you're incarcerated, like I do transcendental meditation. So I'm like, if I know, if I was incarcerated tomorrow, I'd probably use my mind to escape. But mm. I'm thinking about all these, I kept seeing these murmurations flying over and thinking, oh my God, it's like a flight of the mind. And then we all got sent into cocooning. So it was like, oh, this is exactly yeah. a good way to know about isolation. So I don't know when that show is actually going to happen now, but all the paintings are quite big, like a five and six foot square and this one, which is like, two meters so i just kind yeah. of want to stretch out but like again you know when i was doing the mayo lakes work i had a show over in customs house studio in westport and you know the show was uh, had been booked a year in advance and i spent some time on the mayo lakes and again i brought all these big paintings big canvases up to make but they weren't ready and mm. i think it was probably the bravest decision i ever made because literally we were pulling all the work out of the van and John, who's the um, director there, was like, where's those two big ones, Cora? And I was like, I'm not showing them. And it wasn't because I was being some kind of a diva, but I was going, they're not ready. I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought, part of me thought, well, maybe you're not, just not a big painting painter. Um, but I was, but it just, it took time to bake the cake, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But again, I suppose lots of failure. <laughs> Corey, just to ask you, based on that, I was going to ask you, when do you know? So people often ask, when does an artist know when a piece is actually finished? Do you have a sense of an intuition or do you look at something and think, oh, yeah, I that just sits well with me? Or when do you feel like you yeah, know that that's done? I remember an artist telling me, a lovely American woman in Kerry one time, somebody, she was in another studio and somebody was saying, how long does it take you to make a painting? Mm -hmm. And I remember she turned around deadpan and went, my whole life. <laughs> so that's a brilliant answer. <laughs> um, you know, that it, it, whatever, it does take as long as it takes. And I mean, some days you're flying, some days you're not. For me, I tend to work, so in the studio now, I'm lucky I have a good big space and I put up like MDF on the wall. So I've like six wall mounted spaces. So I work, and what I do is I like set uh, my watch for half an hour and I work on each one for half an hour. 
And oh, then, I like that idea. Oh, it's mad because particularly that when your time like is fun short, as well. it's mm. really fun and you can't overthink it. So you stop and also it kind of stops me murdering work as well. Um, mm. it's work, but it's a strategy. But And I have a notebook as well. So like I always, I, I'm a bit suspicious about, I used to take photographs of my work before I left the studio. And then I could lie in bed the next morning and pour over them and convince myself not to go to the studio. Mm. Or is that I have to turn up. But um, I make notes as I'm working. So when I'm finished this piece, I go, when I'm about half hours, I go right down, blue on top, blah, 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 the, you know, in the heat of that. Now, when I get around again, you know, having worked on the other ones, I'd be like, Oh, Jesus, I would have totally forgotten that. But in terms of finishing them, like they're the tricky ones that go to the wall. But I would mm. say each of my painting, they probably have about 50 layers. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, like it's it's a totally different way for me to work. Uh, sometimes I underpaint in acrylics just for speed. Or if I'm um, doing a workshop, I work in acrylic for speed. And... I, a friend of mine passed away very super suddenly um, mm. a couple of years ago. And I remember I went to Kilraelic shortly afterwards. And I was thinking about that kind of thin line between life and death. And I was thinking, how, how would you capture that? Mm. And I remember thinking, it's a breath. And I was breathing on glass and on mirrors and stuff to see how do you actually capture it? And then it made me think about, you know, if you're in Kilredig, you're looking at the Skelligs and there's often this mist. And I was thinking, that's how I want to paint, in these very light, loose layers. And it's really interesting because it gets you off the hook because mm. I just start. And then one layer needs to next, needs to next. Alice Marr, I remember reading an interview with Alice and somebody said, uh, what was your greatest inspiration? And uh, what inspires you? And she said, mm. my last painting. It's so true. Mm. Like it, you know, oh, it could be true as cocky, but it's so true that it's like one informs the other, informs the other. Um, mm. But in terms of finishing, I've had ones that I turned to the wall for a while. Like I've got one painting, I think it's called Three Years, Four Months, and 20 Minutes. <laughs> because <it's, laughs> Did I, it take I, you that long? <laughs> yeah, it was one of those ones that started up brilliant. And you know, you were kind of going, Oh, that you know, it's only a little bit, and then you get a little bit precious, and you're like, "How am I going to finish that?" So you turn it to the wall. Yeah, and then it's like you get to the point where you're actually over yourself, and you're over it, and you go, "And you go in twenty minutes, it's done." And so, would you would you paint out if you're if you get two parts? Say, for instance, speaking like from an artist, and you do something, and you go, "Shit, I've just ruined the whole bloody thing." Would you, in that circumstance? just try and rework it or do you just repaint over the whole thing and start again i tend like i try, just turn it away for a few years i try it away <laughs> if i can like i mean a deadline really helps you know yeah. that it's like, um but like i remember doing commissions early on and murders like murders because i guess the way i paint um you know it's so I don't want it to be literal. And I'm trying to get a sense of the place. So, you know, particularly when it's commissioned and it's of a particular place, you're kind of going, okay, well, they probably want those mountains represented. Yeah. So you yeah. Kind of go in, and then you put in the mountains and then that's too literal. So you try to abstract it. And you go around to the circle. And, you know, so as I've kind of got a bit more comfortable in my own work, I'm a bit more comfortable with my, my way of producing work. But I tend to let stuff breathe a bit. Um, mm. But some you're on fire and it's just like I'm done oh I'm done I'm done I'm done too and it's like yeah. go home you know now other days yeah. it's not like that you know hmm. but yeah I think it's you know it's almost like there's a dialogue and I mean you know <laughs> I might as well say it I do have the voices in my head telling I me now we all do Cora <laughs> you know, I mean I definitely get that that it's like yeah. uh you know all I have to do is turn up and yeah. but it also like I got a lovely message from a woman after a workshop one time she's such a great woman and she sent me at the end of it she said you have a gift and I remember thinking oh that's nice you know for it to say but I have a gift and then afterwards I thought about it and it was like imagine I gave you 
a box of chocolates. And you said, thanks, million Cora, but you go, oh, shit. You know, like, you would never do that if somebody gave you a gift. So it's like, without sounding too woo-woo, but if it's not about me and yeah. I just have this gift, then it's just my job to turn up. Yeah, and yeah. Weather vein, you know. And it, it's like that. a tricky one because I think a lot of artists, if they're completely honest, think that there's probably something other than them pushing the pencil. Mm. You know, that you're, you know, and I think if you're open to that, you get a bit of a dig out on occasion. Mm. That's, said, I like that. I've asked James Heaney for help on occasion. Oh, there you go. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a line. <laughs> yes, and he, he does help out, obviously. He does help out, yes. If he's not and, busy over with Cormac O'Leary or somebody else, he'll pop over. <laughs> he gives a hand. So you do, uh, you mentioned transcendental meditation. So I yeah. do a bit of meditation as well. And I spoke recently to also um, another artist, Jude Fenton. I don't know if you know Jude Fenton. She's up north. Um, I love her up though. Uh, she works in kind of watercolors as well. And she also men mentioned meditation. And my theory on meditation is when I'm working, I almost feel like uh, if I'm in flow, it's in yeah. that state. It's very representative of if I am meditating as well. Now, I, I'm not probably as, I don't know. I, I've only recently gotten into me meditation the last couple of years. So I'm still very basic learner I guess but I feel the sense of it being very much like in that creative flow do you have that sense because I'm looking at your work behind you there Cora and I can see that your marks are quite gestural like in some ways and I'm wondering like so your your works are quite big some of them are quite big do you feel a sense of your body and your mind connecting when you're actually in the flow of that kind of state or how would you see that absolutely like i should say this one is work in progress but mm. yeah no absolutely that i think and you know if i've had a break from painting i like and i'm writing in my notebook because i'm writing oh my god this is amazing and it's yeah. like you forget it's like you know it's kind of like being a bit high you know yeah. that it's just but i absolutely feel, and i think that's why i paint i mean i think you know, I had lived a good bit of my life before I started painting. I didn't have to do it. Like, mm. I do it because it makes me happy. You know, that it definitely... And like meditation, uh, the TM thing is interesting. And I think, you know, I haven't a clue what I'm doing, but I don't think you need to know what you're doing. And I think yeah. you're saying, like, you're a basic learner or whatever. I think if if you're getting some of that, something out of it, then you're probably there. Um, but yeah. I... Yeah, I just find it um, maybe helps me process things quicker. It gets rid of the clutter. And I think painting is very much like that. Like, I can have enormous resistance to coming to the studio. But as soon as, soon as I put my first foot on the step, I immediately feel better. And I gratefully mm. doing uh, what I call a power hour. So... You know, even if you have a hundred other things to do, you go, okay, I'm going to do a power hour. Now, I'll end up staying for eight hours invariably. Um, but I do think once I get in flow, and time can be funny. Time can really slow down mm. in that state. Um, but, you know, the big work, like I remember when I was working in Lock Mask, you know, like the big works, carrying them around the studio. It's my first experience. And like after a couple of hours, I put them going, I'm hungry. Like yeah. there's so much energy. Um that but yeah, I definitely think there's a body and mind. And I do think, you know, particularly if I'm on the clock with my 30 minute thing, and there's kind of a pace of energy that because mm. I can sit around in navel gaze for years. Um, but that I kind of go, okay, pink upper layer there, something else that it's almost like and I don't feel it is intuition, absolutely, but it kind of feels quite sharp. There's a sharpened mm. sense. Mm. And I think that manifests physically as well. And, mm. you know, like you get lots of happy accidents that way. Mm. But no, I think there's definitely a body, mind and spirit connection. Um, yeah. You know, really grateful that I did find painting because it definitely has made my life leaner, but uh, richer, if that makes sense. Mm.
Um, That's beautiful, though. Yeah. Isn't that what everybody wants, though? Isn't that really? Yeah, I think so. And I think, particularly in the middle of the pandemic, what's striking to me is, I mean, I kind of feel I retired a lot, you know, at 30, but like, that's not to say I, what I do is work. And sometimes it's really hard work, but it's very pleasurable um, Mm. when when it's going right. But I think with the pandemic, an awful lot of people are kind of realising it's not enough just to be uh, paid in pounds and pence, that people Mm. want their time as well. You know, that there's a whole experience. Um, Mm. So I hope more of that, that more downtime, you know, and they're happy. Yeah, Yeah. more balance, I guess, in life. So what does your work day look like? You're in the studio now. Do you have, do you go in every day? Do you have a set amount of hours? Are you structured in that? Or do you work? So you spoke about goals. You have something to work towards. Tell us a bit about how that works out for you. Okay. So I, I would like to say I have a very good routine. I don't. I love to. <laughs> um, I'm like, you know, someday, but I think because I don't have children, I think if I had children, well, I probably do nothing actually. Um, but I think I'd have to be more structured to keep them alive. I don't know, but um, just more chaos, actually, Cora. I think that's what it is. Yeah, that could be it. That could be it. Um, I like to like, I try to get up and do the meditation and journaling and stuff in the morning. That like that feels like it good days that happens then I come in I don't feel like I need to paint every day mm. uh, but I do if I can get three or four hours in painting a day that's fabulous wonderful what, yeah what's going on if I have a deadline I'm probably doing 10 hour days you know painting mm. hard and that's kind of I kind of have two speeds it's like eighth gear or minus reverse but mm. uh, <laughs> You know, and it's been like that. Now, there's a kind of, I suppose, the penny dropped for me a few years ago as well, that it was like, you know, if you are making a living from your business, if it's your full-time occupation as an artist, you are actually in business. So mm. like, I have a teaching practice that I love um, mm. that was way outside my comfort zone because I'm self-taught. That mm. it was like, like a friend of mine asked me three times, I think, to take a night class for and I was going, no. Yeah. And then scary. I scary. Too scary. Yes. Yeah. Like, are you mad? And yeah. then tell us more about that because that's something that I think that a few people have asked me. Yeah. And yeah, I'm a bit the same now, Cora, like in terms of God, how do I get on with that? You know what? <laughs> it's really interesting because like it was uh, my friend Eva Layton, who's Eva's an incredible artist and printmaker. Oh, I must look her up, yeah. She's so good. But Aoife also worked in the art supplies. And, you know, I'd be in there all the time. And she'd say, no, Cora, this is class. Do you want to do it? And I was going, no. And anyway, I needed money. And she had rang me again and said, are you sure? Mm. And I was going, okay, I'll just look at a load of YouTube. And that'll be fine. See? Yeah. And, like, literally, but, like, I was over the top. I rang everyone in the class the week before to see what stage they were at and what they personally needed. It was oh, a you were involved. Yeah. Oh, I was so involved. Like, hold yeah. hand. And I remember Catherine, who's actually become a great friend of mine. I rang Catherine and she said, um, she was one of the students, and she said, well, I'm actually doing my master's over in the Crawfords, the art school here in Cork. So <laughs> I didn't want to paint and I was going, hi, are you oh. coming to my class? Like, I was so intimidated by her. And oh, I'm cool. sure it was beyond chaotic, but... Um, I remember she came back the second week and said, I've actually uh, decided not to pursue my master's because I enjoy your class more. And I was going, oh, Jesus, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> but, like, I mean, I, I had one. You're thinking, one. I don't want to be responsible for that. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, this will will, will take you everywhere. Um, but it was, it was quite chaotic. I mean, I remember my demos. One woman, it was kind of the second or third, third term in, one woman came in and after my like it's like you know that guy in the Muppet Show Birdie Burke Burke yeah 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 it's like he's falling and (laughs) he came up to me afterwards and she said will it always be so messy and I was going oh "Oh, did you and she said I'm going to the Pilates see (laughs) 
never to be seen again. And some of the students who, you know, came every term were like, oh my God, I thought you were actually really neat tonight. But um, anyway, that's all tangent. But basically, I was terrified. But I would say, Paula, it has informed my practice no end. And I suppose what was the completely because I actually yeah. I learned so much by teaching and I think mm. what's really you know if I have something to offer it's um vulnerability like mm. my strength absolutely vulnerability and I think that's why people enjoy the workshops because they kind of know you know that not that I don't have a clue of course I teach them materials and tools and whatever but I'm not actually teaching anyone how to paint I'm teaching them Mm. how to tap into their own intuitive way of painting Mm. and it's been so revelatory and so good Mm. and I think you could absolutely be doing that because I've had so much feedback from other you know from students who've gone to other classes which are fabulous classes but they didn't want to all make the same picture our painting as the people next to them. Yeah, yeah. That's the best bit about my workshops is that everybody goes home. Like, it's always fascinating. They all have the same tools, the same surface. I provide all the materials and they go home with completely different work. Mm, Something very unique. It's more about who they are, you know, in terms of... Absolutely. That I'm just helping them, you know, kind of tap into their channel. Um, Mm. So... Oh, I mean, it is. But I, I can imagine that people would love to work with you. Um, well, we'll see. Watch this space, Cora. <laughs> I think yeah, I know. It's that thing of, it's, uh, <clears throat> I guess a lot of it, and I suppose many artists deal with this, is the imposter syndrome, isn't it? You know, um, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, which kind of comes back around again and again. But I'd say you're an amazing artist that I'm like teacher as well, Cora. I'd say your classes are fascinating. I'd love to do one. Oh, they're really good crack. I mean, they yeah. are great. We, you know, people laugh a lot. And, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's amazing to see people turn up. And, you know, every, everybody, you know, like everybody is painting what's going on for them. Mm. You know, so no wrong way to do it. And it's just incredible to see people kind of, particularly what kind of breaks my heart is I get a lot of, it's often women, it's usually mm-hmm. women, who have been through the art school process and kind of came out, you know, worked for a few years, tried to work and paint or whatever their practice is. And then they maybe needed to take a more serious day job. And then they had some kids and, and now the kids, and now they're, coming up to retirement age and when the light goes on that they can actually do this but it is about give they're looking for permission mm. and unfortunately nobody's going to give you that you know no that, never yeah you know, that it's kind of like you know and we all have that and like you know that line in elizabeth gilbert's book uh, or maybe it's in the youtube where she says that she has said things to herself in 3 a.m that you wouldn't say to a rapist I mean, oh yeah was that in her book uh big magic was that it no it was either in the book or she said it in the youtube yeah and we're so unkind like we're just horrendous yeah. yeah and it's like yeah. um everybody has doubt i remember when i first came back to court going to a seminar with artists and i think it was maude cotter and a couple of other quite high profile artists mm. and somebody from the audience asked them what was how long did they spend in doubt? And they kind of conferred and they came back with a number of 70% of their time. Mm. Holy, like I came to it so late. I don't have 70% of my time for that. Yeah. Uh, and I think just showing up. And I think that thing about what cracks me up and it happens over and over and it makes me quite sad in that. And I mean, I would have been that person that. People come, people have been painting for years, but mm. they don't feel comfortable calling themselves an artist. Like that's sometimes yeah. a job. But yeah. if you had a baby, the next day you're walking out with this whatever carry thing and you haven't a clue what you're doing. I mean, you might write yeah. a few books, but you're a mother and legitimately a parent. Yeah. Um, such a good yeah, way of describing it. Yeah. And, but yeah, people. Like, and I, I, people I've worked with for years, I can see them so uncomfortable. And I don't know if 
you know, if they sell the work, they think that maybe that was somebody was doing them a favor or like legitimizing their practice. So sometimes I think sometimes it helps people to kind of think of it as as a business. That mm. okay, if you're in business, it doesn't diminish your work, but mm. maybe that feels more comfortable. But then people they go, oh, it's not good art if it's sold. You know, it's complex. But there's mm. a great book called Art and Fear, um, which I don't have to hand, but it's available on Audible, and okay. that's that kind of thing. Sorry mm. for tangents. No, 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 that's fantastic. It sounds like a fantastic book. And I was going to ask you about the whole thing of calling yourself an artist because I completely get like I went to art college and then I got out of it and I was like, I don't feel comfortable. It took me about three or four years to call myself an artist because there's something very, you need to feel worthy of that title. And it's such a big, bold, grandiose title that is is actually nothing really. And I think it's just become that way because of whatever other artists or the art world or whatever it is or your own limitations on yourself so yeah I completely understand that and that thing about you saying about motherhood is just so true like you just you know you don't like it's yeah or you ride a bicycle and I can cycle a bike you don't say I can't you know it's it can be so many things did it take you long to get to the stage of calling yourself an artist then Cora or did you just did you get your studio and you thought, that's it. I've got my no. own studio. I'm an artist. No. When people said to you, In the film version, it would have yeah. been like that, you know, if it was yeah. a film or a book. But and I yeah. always think, like, you know, we tend to think of people as characters out of movies that they're either all good or all bad. You know, nobody's yeah. a combination. But, no, it was definitely not like that. I felt I had an enormous cheek. You know, that thing of, who do you think you are? And... Um, but I could afford it. So, you know, but then it felt like, oh, I'm a princess, um, mm. you know, that I'm going to just do this. I remember somebody telling me one time in a class, somebody said, it wasn't my class, I was taking the class. Somebody said, well, I think a lot of women just paint so that they can marry rich men. And I was like, <gasps> holy shit, I want to start my- years ago. Is that a thing? <laughs> I was like, what? I would have started when I was young and beautiful. Now I'm only beautiful. <laughs> what? I love it. Yeah. This is fun. That, I had thought of many things about what my art practice could mean, but that was not it. But yeah, I think like I was, like, when I think about it, the imaginations of the brain, I actually had hypnotherapy because okay. I, and it worked. Like it totally worked. Wow. I had, this lovely man, I think his name is Martin Kiley. I remember a friend of mine had gone to hypnotherapy because they were feeling a bit down and they were sick of going to counselling and they're just like, mm. just want to change my mind. Yes. And like it had worked. And I was going, oh my God, like, because I had this inner voice saying, you're not an artist. Nobody in your family is an artist. Why do you think you, you know, everybody's laughing at you. Nobody cares. Nobody First of all, cares. Nobody cares. Everybody's just thinking about themselves, so it doesn't matter, you know, nobody's, yeah. And nobody, even if they were laughing, would it matter? But, like, I was kind of, you know, like, the story went something like, oh, you were going to be a writer and now you're going to be an artist. Are you going to be an astronaut? You know, do you want to to put that out there now? And particularly when you're a little bit older, it feels a bit, you know, uh, like I remember a cousin of mine crying on her 30th birthday because she said, I don't think I'm going to be a pop star now. (laughs) But I went to the therapist and said, basically, I have this circle going around in my head um, telling me I, I just want to, like, kind of, can, can we divert that? Mm. And I remember he put me under, but you don't really feel like you're under. And he's the loveliest man. But he said to me um, afterwards, he said, so how long do you think you were under? And I said, like, I was thinking three minutes. But I said, maybe eight minutes. And he said, 45 minutes. Wow. <laughs> he was exhausted. Oh and he said to me, um, you know, when you see the color red, it will re-emphasize this kind of basically. It was like, you know, that you see the old ladies in the telephone exchange. It was mm. like putting this thought into this new new circuitry now. 
Mm. Uh, I was called Cod Love and he's a lovely man, but I don't think it's um, going to work. But I would say, looking back, that definitely, it wasn't like I wasn't lying awake at 3am, you know, saying things that I wouldn't say to a rapist. But it was, maybe it just turned down a little bit. And also, I think when you're getting a little bit older, you kind of go, well, life's short. I don't really have. It doesn't matter. You know. It doesn't matter, um, yeah. And it is. It's a mindset as well, isn't it? You yeah. Know? And it's a line yeah. made by walking. It doesn't come fully formed. You know, mm. You know, I'm always amazed. At, like, I had a happy accident last week. I do limited edition prints now. And I did a sale a couple of weeks ago. And I finally, after like 10 years and 10 minutes, got my Facebook shop set up and it's linked to my Instagram and it's fabulous. Only a pandemic could have made me do this. <laughs> so I had corrected the pricing on my site, but forgot to do it on Facebook. And a woman contacted me saying, um, can you, oh, I want to buy this. Brilliant. Thank you. And she's saying, but it's marked down on your Instagram shop, but not on your site. This is only last week. And I was going, obviously, I'll honor it. And then I went, mm my God, maybe I could discount one every week. Mm. And there's actually 28 prints. And there's 28 wow. And I kind of thought, that's actually a great idea. Yeah. But like, that's a very new idea. <laughs> that literally came to me the other day. So I do think it's like, just keep going. And yeah. like the buffer refreshes all the time. Mm. What would you say? So I guess we've spoken a bit about art, your art being also like seen as a business as well. What would you say are the sort of more challenging sides of having being an artist or being a creative business? How, like, do you struggle with any of those sides of things um, yeah. or does it come naturally? <laughs> I'm going to plug in the laptop just for a second, Paul. I'm just oh, concerned. yeah, sure. Go. Yeah, the batteries. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. We can get to see your lovely bit more of your painting there behind as well. So, thank God, Matt gives us the super long wire. I know, isn't that fantastic? Um, I do think, yeah, absolutely. The the biggest. Oops, sorry, now. The biggest challenges I would say are cash flow mm. and time management. Like cash mm. flow is punitive. Um, mm. You know, because you really don't know when you're going to sell another painting. And I think also no more than calling yourself an artist, calling yourself a business, you know. Mm. Um, like I was thinking about this the other day. I applied to the Arts Council. Now, I've been very fortunate to have support from different bodies and whatever. But like I applied for that, you know, the COVID. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. Council had that fund. The grant, or yeah. Yeah, yeah fund, like yeah. a thousand euro payment. They give it to 333 artists. Mm. And I think that the stats, I think it was one in three. And I thought, you know, those are good numbers. Uh, mm. But I didn't get it. And I was going, oh, that's a shame. But I did get funding from the local enterprise office. Mm. And I think a lot of artists feel they're not kind of arts council level and they're also not a business so that is very a very difficult place to be mm. but i think if you are selling your work you're a business um, <laughs> exactly you know, yeah you're a business and it's sometimes hard to f get your head around that and like ideas don't come fully formed but there's so many supports you know the local enterprise office have training in instagram marketing and all that and you know that's the other side of it like you can paint as much as you like, but if nobody knows where you are, then they can't buy it. You yeah, know. I know. If it's just hiding in a room somewhere, it's not gonna it's not gonna get yeah. seen, it's not gonna be out there. And also you need to learn like how to manage, as you said, like either time or money or what whatever it is. There needs to be some as basic as it is, there needs to be something in place. And I think it also gives you a bit more authority over your work to see it more like actually this is legit this is something this is what I do it's not just a hobby um yeah. and it's a legitimate business I guess you know be it art artistic creative endeavor what however you want to word it I guess you know 
Yeah, and I mean, I've had a lot of help in terms of, so I have um, a creative business coach, um, a woman called Claire Mulvaney, who's so helpful. I see Claire like twice a year and mm. my God, it's great because like I'll, you know, I remember the first day we sat down with this huge piece of paper and I had all these ideas I wanted to do. And Claire was like, how much do you think you need to earn? And do you, do you want to buy a house? Because... Do you, do you have savings? And it was like, you know, not so much, you know, like she totally focuses on how you want to feel rather mm. than, you know, how many paintings you can make. But like, you know, I've had meetings with Claire around pricing structures for workshops and stuff. And, you know, I've come away going, she's a lovely woman, but she doesn't, she doesn't know my people. And then she's always right. Like she's totally right. Yeah, she gets it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and she'll say things like, stop offering people a discount if they don't ask for it. You know, like, ah, yeah. rounding down all the time. Um, yeah. You know, she's yeah. lovely. But I would say, like, you, I don't know if you follow Lisa Congdon. She has a great yes. book. She's fab. Um, I have her book here. I have a few there, but no, no, I don't. Yeah, what's her book again? Art, Art Inc. Inc. Yes. Yeah. I followed Lisa actually since since before she did it full time. I've, I've fascinated by her story she's amazing isn't she she's incredible i'd love to yeah. know how she, actually she does have a a workshop on business of art in creative career no what's it called uh, creative. Skills, yes i know you the know, one it's it's an online she's actually advertised it hasn't she as well yeah, yeah i think it might be on special at the moment but and she's but, self-taught as well which i mean she's she's incredible isn't she you know she is, but she posted something a little while ago, and I thought this is really interesting. Um, it was get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. Mm. But, you know, it's like I don't walk into an exhibition and go, everything here is perfect, and I'm yeah. Fine. You know, like I want to make changes, and but like you have to kind of get comfortable pushing. You know, there will be times that. A painting sell and it feels like an absolute validation but there'll be times where nothing's selling and you feel like a total fraud um mm. that's just i mean i i guess again i'm not a parent but i guess there's times where your kids put their arms around you and tell you they love you and you think i am nailing this and there's other times they kick you in the shins mm. you know that <laughs> you know you probably feel it's not the best work you've ever made but um yeah. I don't know, but I I do think it's it does take like it takes. I think lately I've been thinking a lot about the word audacious and mm. kind of beyond bravery, you know mm. that uh, like it's not rocket science. But yeah, I I and I I do think it gets a bit maybe it gets a bit easier as you go on. And you know what I realised, Paula, <laughs> quite later, like a lot of the fantastic artists make fantastic paintings. Um, because they can afford fantastic materials. Yeah. <laughs> the colours are so good because the pigmentation is amazing, you know, but it's like, what do they say? The harder you work, the luckier you get. Mm. I don't know like that, that one. But but, I'm, I'm going to take that. I like that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think it has to be like hard work, but I do think yeah. the other thing, and I mean, I'm somebody, so I suppose in my last career, I probably burnt out. I don't want here, you know, know. so and like yeah. there's so many things I've been wrong about like there's no end to the stuff I don't know so mm. I'm kind of constantly learning but I was somebody who went I don't really want to sell reproductions I'm only interested in selling large paintings once mm. and it's like now I'm somebody who's interested in having a home and studio and, yeah. like, and also as my work has increased in price it's really great to be able I hate when people say oh you know I'd really like some of your work but I can't afford it and it's like the limited edition prints I was quite a print cynic until I did research and found some incredible quality prints you know yeah. that like these are great as well and they you know last for 200 years or whatever so and it's something I can stand over but you know I had to completely be educate myself on that and I'm sure it's the same, you know, for everyone, really, in every industry. It's a big learning curve. There's many facets to it. Is that the right word? 
that yeah. I feel like are massive learning curves. And I think the beauty about art being an artist or being creative is there's all, always a curiosity about things. So I think the yes. learning continues on. Like it's it's never ending, you know, and it's just some things are necessity that you have to do for for you making a living as an artist and some things are just wanting to further where your practice goes I guess you know yeah and I think you know like David Bowie said you know if you're in your comfort zone you're in the wrong place yeah yeah you can and you can stay there for a while I think but you have to move on then don't you because otherwise you're just Re- nothing changes if you want things to change nothing changes if nothing changes you know things don't change if nothing that whatever that saying is i'm terrible yeah. <laughs> um but yeah if you want to further on and if you want to see growth you have to definitely get out of that comfort zone it's not yeah yeah and it's like i had my nephew here last week helping me make boxes for cards yeah. and it's like a tedious job and yeah. You know, it's a tricky job. And he was saying, oh, I can't do this. He's 10 now. And I was saying, you can, but you need to learn how to do it. So yeah. I guarantee you, by the time you've done 20 of these, you'll know how to do it. Be a pro. Uh, yeah. And he was like, on number 10, he was like, I can do that. And he starts showing his brother how to do it. That it was like, you know, we can't go from zero to hero. There has to be, even though you know, maybe you have a good practice in place or whatever and mm. you might have a bit of following. You still have to be a beginner. Yeah. Everybody you know. starts the yeah. Yeah, that I mean you have to begin again, 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 again. Mm. Um, and I I think it's like I don't know if you follow Daniel Laporte, but she talks about like yes. creative people setting their house on fire sometimes. Yeah. But you know, there's a bit of sabotage in moving on and I think if you can kind of this is the Christy Moore said about there's a magic thread between you and the audience I always mm. imagine it as a red thread and people mm. who are viewing your work so you want to like be moving constantly but you don't want to pull or jerk yeah. ever very gentle like I um I was very fortunate to be mentored by Tom Clement um I don't know if you know Tom City no. had this um fund a few years ago for mentoring and I was really fortunate to get some support and I was mentored by Tom and Huey O'Donoghue so it was fab like big large painting. Wow brilliant. Tom's work has incrementally changed all along his path but you still know it's his work. Yeah. You know, but he's constantly moving mm-hmm. you know but and I mean I would say I see your work in the time I've known you has changed you know I know it's your work yeah I think I think when artists get into a rhythm they get or when they become confident I want to say or when they know who they are as an artist I think you develop your own style and that's not to say that nobody's done similar before but I think it's kind of your own language and I think that language just continues to develop or elongate in some ways and it doesn't always it's not an exact replica but it forms and morphs in some ways and sometimes it kind of comes back around full circle but it's also can translate into something different if that makes sense yes yeah I think it can sometimes be like water do you know yeah way yeah yeah you know, like I, <laughs> I had years ago, my first show was in that studio in Dalston. And mm. my cousin, God love him, had asked a guy he knew who had a lovely gallery in Angel to come up and look at my work. Never forget it, Polly. He walked in, looked around and said, is this a group show? Because <laughs> it was like <laughs> the wandering <laughs> of a man's mind. And he just... Went and turned on his heel and left. <laughs> Never to be seen oh, again. And like wow. you know, that like I think. Look, I don't know. I'm the youngest in my family, and yeah, a lot of people seem to know that without being told. Now I don't know yeah. if that's kind of you know been a brat or just been <laughs> robust. But yeah. like you know, there was a gallery here in Cork, and I brought. I was seeing some work there. And a guy in my studio was having a show there. And we I got chatting with the guy. And I said, would you be interested in showing my work? And he said, no. 
complete sentence. You know, no, like, just that's it. No, well, fair yeah. play to you for asking because many wouldn't. And I think that takes a lot of guts to go up there and say something. And oh. then you feel, oh. <laughs> okay, that's a full sentence. And um, like, I've literally, I brought work home from Mexico at that time and I brought it. I had to go to four different framers because, and it wasn't because I thought they were going to tilt the axis of the planet. You know, I didn't know if they were good or bad, but they were meaningful to me and I wanted to show yeah. them. And uh, like they were made on cement sacks. Here's an interesting mm -hmm. fact. Femex is one of the biggest companies to um, have a, you know, with, between Ireland. We're big drinkers yeah. of Corona and we're mm -hmm. big consumers of Semex. There you go. So there's a lot of Semex um, bags in uh, Mexico so I had painted on those but like I brought them to the first framer said let me get bother framing that <laughs> oh my goodness oh how hurtful the cheek of him how dare he I know I and it's like well he's not in business anymore but I am yeah. um but he uh he surely he I he would want the business as opposed to turn I don't know I think he was probably tired of business to be fair but yeah, he, yeah. He, wasn't, he wasn't a bad man but I think he was yeah. probably a bad day okay, yeah. I wouldn't mind but when I sent out the invitation for that show that piece sold off the like literally as soon as the invite went, well, out. went out Yeah. so it's like you don't know and you don't have to be your biggest critic but sometimes you do have to stand up and mm. for your to take care of yourself mm. uh, you know that that's kind of part of it too whether mm. it's getting enough sleep or doing your meditation or but doing I, meditation, I do yeah. think it's like minding a child it's often like minding a child yeah uh, yeah it's the nurturing thing isn't it you know yeah yeah Cora I could speak to you all day and I'm very aware we've chatted for a good while now maybe we need to do a part two that's what we need to do i think we'll have lost yeah. everyone <laughs> i wonder are they still talking are I they know. still there yes yeah, yeah still well, there. Listen, i'm going to i'm going to just round it off but what i'll do is i will put down where people can find you but okay. i think you need to come back we need to do a part two in season two we'll do part two with you season two, i'd do. love that i'd love that, that i love this chat it's been so good can I ask you though, um, what would your big dream be? So do you have a big dream in terms of where you where you want to go with your art or what you want to do with your art? What would that be? And Great question. I know that's a big question though as well. And it, it is like, I mean, it is something like I'm very aware that you need to dream it to do it. Um, yeah. you know, as much as you make a line by walking, but you need to have a goal. But for me at the moment like making big paintings has been you know something I've really wanted to do and now I'm doing that and I'm not as afraid of it as I was so that's a really good place to be plus like I'm finally kind of making a living from my work which is fab now I still have months where I'm like how are we going to you know figure that out but having my own home and studio mm -hmm. is you know because I rent here and I'm renting my house and I'm paying two other people's mortgages. So yeah. I really want to have my own home and studio and a space where I can teach. I don't know how big that's going to need to be now with two meters between everyone, but yeah. um, that is the dream and the goal. And I know it's going to happen. I'm just not sure how it's going to happen. Yeah. But um, that, and you know, like I remember one day, I, like I, I, I have to catch myself often and say, like enjoy this because mm. this was something I dreamed of like that you know that I would be sitting talking about my practice with some kind of experience behind me um mm. but um I would say that's the big one for sure that is absolutely but otherwise like I do remember when I was back in Singer's Corner carrying boxes up the stairs one day and mm. my book and like it was 50 stairs up and it was humpy and Pat, who had the studio above me, came down the stairs and he said, living the dream, Cora. And I thought, oh, my God, I actually am. Um, yeah. Like, I'm carrying 
my copies, no, they're heavy, but I am carrying copies of my book up to my studio. This was absolutely a dream that I could do that. So I'm definitely living the dream. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's a hard work. But no, the big dream at the moment is to have my own studio um, and home and mm. just be able to keep making big paintings. And mm. I can't, I mean, the community is important to me as well in that mm. the connection, like f being able to make your own paintings, but also uh being part of a community that's positive change like mm. the whole kind of this week with the black lives matter you know i'm thinking about how i can be purposeful so i'm actually thinking about mentoring some people mm. that might help i don't know how that's going to but yeah but uh, leaving a positive legacy as well um yeah great you know because when mm. things as much as i love it when things are wrong in the world. Like when the COVID happened, I immediately thought I stopped painting because I was like, well, what are you going to do about it? Make another painting. That's not really helpful. Yeah. So something that has a positive legacy as well. That would definitely yeah. be. Well, creativity is such a positive legacy, isn't it? And yeah. I, I fully believe, Cora, I fully believe, I look at other people and I think if that person can do it, why can't it happen to me? Like, why can't that, why couldn't I have, you know, the same? And we all have different skills and, uh, different challenges that we face but I fully believe that that could that could be that could happen for you too I can't see why not so excited to see how it all works out for you thank and, you and um, likewise yeah yeah so um Cora thank you so much for coming on and chatting and if anybody is still listening and um, where can they find, where can they find in a you? different time zone that's yeah. for sure <laughs> and well done if you're still here yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, where can people find you? Find more about your art and your prints and your classes. Where where would the best place be? So I'm on Cora C O R A Murphy M U R P H Y dot com, and mm -hmm. I'm Cora Murphy Art on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, okay, Instagram, great stuff. Well, I will link everything below. I've put a little link down below there. My assistant has. Oh, uh, but yes but i will um put uh, all of the details down below for people to go and have a look at your have a look at your work and um i'll share this in the next few weeks as well and um yes thank you so much your work is just so beautiful and i hope you continue to create um just really beautiful inspiring pieces and they go on to inspire others around you as well so thanks a million cora likewise lovely to thank chat. you lovely to i'll see you in real you. life see you in real life definitely yeah. when you're in cork give us a shout i will do yeah on. i'd love that i'd love that yeah all right mind yourself thank you okay. so much take thanks, care God. cora Cheers. bye